Hello and welcome to the Portfolio Intelligence Podcast. I'm your host, John Bryson, Head of Investment Consulting and Education Savings at John Hancock Investment Management. In celebration of International Women's Day on March 8th, I've invited Julie Cronin and Sarah Walter to join our podcast. Julie is the Senior Vice President, Business Consultant, covering the Chicagoland area for the last 25 years. And Sarah is a Regional Vice President, covering Oregon, parts of Washington, and Idaho, wholesaling since 2021. A couple of fun facts about Julie and Sarah. Sarah is currently training for her first 70.3-mile Ironman triathlon, as we probably should call it Iron Woman triathlon, and Julie has a 94-week streak going for her Peloton. So we've got a couple of inspirational people on the call. And lastly, combined, Julie and Sarah have presented Women in Wealth seminars over 250 times to thousands of women across the country. They're often out working with financial advisors and financial professionals, helping them grow their business. So I thought it'd be great to have them on the podcast. Welcome, Julie. Welcome, Sarah. Hi, John. I'm so nice to be here today. Thanks for having me. Yes, thank you, John. Excited to be here. Excellent. Sarah, I'm going to start with you. Why would you say it's important for women to take charge of their finances? Yeah, so where I would start with that question, John, is, and this is a stat that I think really surprises so many females, but recent studies have actually shown that 90% of women will have sole responsibility for their finances at some point in their life, 90%. Um, You know, as women have kind of progressed over these last several decades, you know, some women are choosing to remain single. We do have longer life expectancies. Uh, Recent studies have shown women outlive men by roughly six years. And as we're also seeing these days are divorce later in life. And so when you combine all of those statistics together, that really, again, is going to mean nine out of every 10 women will be solely responsible. Um, that being said, sometimes women are really thrust into the role. Um, you know, could be things like maybe they recently lost their spouse. Uh, maybe they're going through a divorce later in life. And as we know that those can be really emotional and stressful times. And uh, sometimes when we're stressed out, we've got a lot of emotion going through. We don't make the best decisions. And that would likely not be the most uh, ideal time to really take charge of something new. So uh, one thing that I would just say to women everywhere is to really never underestimate your ability to take control of your finances. And we would certainly recommend starting as early as possible. That's great advice. I didn't realize that 90% number, uh, but it certainly makes sense to kind of be prepared before that crisis or challenging period hits. So um, what are some of the biggest differences that you see when it comes to male versus female investors? I think confidence is the first thing that comes to mind. Um, You know, there was actually a recent study done by the Global Financial Literacy Excellence Center, and they found that the gender gap in financial literacy can really be tied to confidence. Uh, Typically, women feel they know about two thirds of what men do when it comes to finance. But note that I said feel, right? And so it's really interesting that when the same study removed the don't know option, they actually found women selected the correct answer more oftentimes than their male counterparts. And due to this lack of confidence, uh, a lot of married women sometimes leave the investing decisions up to their husbands as well. 
Um, but if there's one thing to kind of empower women uh, all across the U.S. right now, I would say a stat that I think is pretty cool is that uh, we actually outperform men when we invest in the market. And there's really two clear reasons for that. Number one, women tend to spend more time researching before we make an investment decision, which I would argue really leads directly into number two, where we're less likely to panic sell during periods of high financial stress, arguably because we've taken the time to do our research ahead of time. Um, now, regardless of gender, of course, of course, having a financial strategy in place uh, can help all of us meet our future with more confidence. Sarah, that's super helpful. Julie, I want to pull you into the conversation. Um, yeah, sure. As you know, the podcast here is about helping um, advisors build better outcomes for their clients and their practice. And when we think about financial professionals, why do you think it's important for them to focus on their female clientele? Yeah, that's a great question, John. A couple of different reasons. Um, one is the statistics. I mean, just since I started giving women seminars, you know, 25 years ago to now, the statistics are so encouraging, right? I mean, now four out of all 10 businesses in the United States are owned by women. Women earned 58% of all bachelor degrees and about 54% uh, of working women are now the primary breadwinners in households, right, John? So like, those are some great statistics that tell us that financial professionals should be focusing on women. But also what we've found and what my advisors tell me is they're great clients to have because they're loyal, because they're more likely to follow the advice that financial professionals give them. And we even see that during kind of downturns in the market, they're going to stay the course more. So I think it's, you know, it's great for women to have financial advisors, and it's also great for financial advisors to be focusing on women because of these kind of um, these kind of stats and these kind of qualities that women bring to their practice. Wow, excellent. Now, when you think about the financial professional landscape, I, I think it's safe to say that it's a majority male, uh, and maybe that should change. But specifically for male financial professionals, um, how do you see them engaging their female clientele, Sarah, and, and what's working about that? Yeah, so, you know, like I mentioned earlier, women do tend to have less confidence than men when it comes to, you know, making investment and financial decisions. So we're also less likely to speak up if we do have questions, if we do feel confused, or if we're looking for a clarification, especially if we're in a room full of men, right? So uh, a lot of my top advisors and top teams that I work with do host uh, female-only events, and they are very, very successful. Um, they're really giving you know, their clients an opportunity for them to grow their knowledge and uh, skill base. Uh, at a recent event I presented at here a couple weeks ago, uh, several of the local financial professionals partnered together and were able to get over 100 attendees from a pretty small city here in Oregon. And it was an incredibly successful event. Uh, I think they were really clever and advertised it as a Galentine's Day event, which is always popular and fun for women. Uh, and it's also a really nice touch point for advisors if you do happen to have quite a few divorcees, if they happen to have quite a few uh, female widows as well, um, giving them a platform and an event space where they feel safe, can further bond with other networking and, and just network with other women is really empowering for women of all ages and backgrounds. That, that's really interesting, um, having a client-specific event focused on females. So let me ask you this. 
why is it important for financial professionals to serve their female clientele different um, than they might approach males? Or or should they be very really careful when they are being different? Yes. Yeah, so I think that, you know, you do have to recognize there are some differences. So again, you know, recent statistics do show that women outlive men by roughly six years. Therefore, it's more likely that a woman will become a widow versus a male um, as they age. And this might be surprising, but the average age of widowhood here in the U.S. is only 59 years old. Um, so for, you know, financial professionals to have a really strong understanding on things like social security benefits for survivors, updating estate plans, you know, possibly being the, the executor of their deceased loved one's estate, these are all really vital topics uh, for those professionals to work through with their clients, especially their female clients, as they will likely, more than likely, fall into that role. Um, you know, and I think what's also really important to note is that by the end of this decade, baby boomers alone are projected to be worth over $30 trillion with women controlling the majority of these assets. So as, if financial professionals do not have a strong of a relationship with the likely surviving wife, these assets could surely be ripe for transferring out as well. So that, I think that's another reason for financial professionals to really step up to the plate and make sure they're giving the right amount of education and knowledge to their female clientele. So Julie, kind of building off what Sarah said. Uh, with your 25 years of experience, how does this play into financial professionals best serving each gender? Yeah, that's a great question, John. I feel, you know, there's always kind of been this um, back and forth, you know, talking to women and men and, and working with them when, when it comes to investing. Is it really that different? And there's certainly there's things that are similar, right? There's certainly things that advisors are going to have um, similar conversations with them. But when it does come to men and women, there's also some big differences. What we've seen at, and John Hancock talks about, uh, there's some pivotal moments in women's lives that we find that they seek out financial advisors more than men. And Sarah kind of talked about some of them, divorce for sure, and then widow. A study um, that I saw recently showed that 70% uh, of women, when they become widowed, that's when they start to look for a new advisor in a new uh, financial professional and change um, the relationship that they have. And I can just tell you quickly, John, a, a personal story. I know when my father passed away, um, which has been about 20 years now, my mom was young, she was 67. Uh, within a year, she had switched her financial advisor. And the reason was my dad didn't need as much service. He didn't need as many touch points. And my mom wanted that and needed that, right? And I think that kind of gets to what women want. They want more of a holistic approach to um, planning. They want a lot of times more service and more touch. And I think advisors um, are good about and starting to really figure that out and tailor their practice that way. So that customization, when you think about what financial professionals are doing now, the ones that are doing a truly excellent job of serving the female community, what are they doing different? Build on that for me. So first I'll start with John is the service element of it. I think um, particularly women clients Sarah talked about it, the age of widowhood in this country, right, is, is women clients are getting older and they're alone. I think they're really relying on their financial professionals to go above and beyond. I'll give an example. Um, I know financial uh, professionals that I work with here in the Chicago doing things like driving their women clients to the bank to get things done. Or to give an example, again, involving my mom, um, when she was sold her house to move into retirement community, 
her, the, the professional that she worked with was very hands-on, brought her to the bank, uh, did a lot of different meetings with her during that process. So I think going above and beyond in that level of service um, is a huge thing. And then secondly, I think what we see is um, women want the steps on how to invest. And they also, studies show, they don't like the jargon, John. Like they don't like as much of the investment uh, jargon. They kind of want straight talking. And I think what I've seen is the financial professionals that have figured out how to talk to women in that way are more likely to attract women clients. And I will say, they also tell me that the women clients are their best clients. They want more women clients, right? Because they are loyal, because they do give referrals. So um, yeah, so that's kind of what I see out there, John. Well, I love that. Service and straight talk being the top two that resonated with me right there. Um, so Sarah, we've got a new presentation at John Hancock Investment Management, Women, Wealth, and Wisdom. Uh, can you walk us through some of the case studies that um, are available in that presentation? Absolutely. Uh, so this is a presentation that me, Julie, and uh, several other women in our organization have been working on for, gosh, two years, <laughs> maybe, or maybe it's felt like two years, but we really wanted to put together a very comprehensive uh, presentation that can really be geared to every financial professional's unique female clientele. Uh, so with that being said, the first thing I would point out on this presentation is number one, it's designed to empower women. Uh, I think women are oftentimes not empowered when it comes to financial decisions and investing. So number one, we're wanting to absolutely empower women. But as we've been talking you know, throughout this presentation is there are certain situations that women are more likely to find themselves in. Uh, so what we've done is we've put together eight different unique case studies um, of potential life events that a woman a woman might find herself in um, or just a unique situation that that woman might be in. So for example, uh, one of my most popular topics so far as I've given this presentation uh, several times already just in the last month is caring for a loved one. So caring for a loved one is one of our um, eight case studies which is a really, really powerful one. As we can all agree, uh, the statistics surrounding dementia, Alzheimer's, it seems like it's continuing to increase year over year. And this can be, of course, a financially taxing time, but it can also be so emotional uh, for clientele and for loved ones. So we've put together a really comprehensive uh, case study where we're gonna do a deep dive on what it looks like when it comes to caring for a loved one. What should that caregiver be thinking about? How do we approach some of those conversations with a loved one? Um, and so that is really, really powerful. I think it's going to give everyone a lot of talking points. And it's also going to make sure that we as maybe younger caregiver type age people have thought about our own long-term care We've thought about our own health as we age. We've thought about where and how we want that to look like. Um, you know, we as women do tend to be caregivers more frequently than men. Um, and so I think that's also really important for females to kind of have this, have the, the right skills in place should they find themselves in that scenario. Um, other popular topics, like Julie mentioned earlier, are entering widowhood, uh, one for the newly divorced, 
And I love this one, female business owners. Uh, as we know, uh, women are continuing to launch their, their own businesses. In fact, uh, one study I just saw is women are launching new businesses at twice the rate as men. So, you know, a lot of advisors might not have, let's say, a huge conglomeration of female business owners. Uh, but if they do have a few, let's be sure that we are really giving them the right advice for their own unique scenario. So I think that's a really fun, unique case study that we've put together. Um, so those are just kind of a snippet of a few. Again, like I said, we've actually put together eight. One that may be of interest is the female investor who's wanting to leave a legacy th through philanthropic giving. So I think that one also has um, a really unique, uh, you know, kind of uh, can be really unique for the right clientele as well for advisors uh, to continue to sh showcase everything that they do, which again, some oftentimes is is leaving a legacy in a variety of different means. Well, I I, I think I need to go look at some of those case studies because we're dealing with that, um, yeah, you know, taking care of the older generation situation right now in my family. And the other thing I'd ask is, it's while this presentation is for financial advisors uh, and focusing a lot on women, male and female financial advisors could sit in this presentation and get great insights for their clients. Is that the way I, I should interpret it? Absolutely. So I'm glad you brought that up um, because, uh, you know, a lot of these scenarios can be very similar, right, for both males as well as females. And one thing that we've also put together, John, is we've put together uh, a checklist and guidebooks for all of these case studies. So these are actually just great checklists that, um, frankly, anyone could go on our website, jhinvestments.com to pull up. Um, because if you are going through one of these scenarios and you're wanting to make sure, you know, all of our T's are crossed and I's are dotted, this could be a great resource just as a standalone, um, a standalone resource. And it could also be a standalone resource for advisors to walk through with their clients as well. So there's a lot of different things that we've um, kind of focused in on with this presentation. But like you said, it's not just a presentation. It's And it's not just for women. I would say, uh, again, it's very applicable also to males that might be going through any of these scenarios. And we've put together workbooks and checklists that anyone has access to. That's great. Thanks for sharing that. So Julie, you've given a lot of these uh, women's seminars over the years. Um, what are some of the best practices that you've seen around kind of execution? Like what are the right uh, venues? Are there other investment professionals that you recommend people partner with? Any We heard about Galentine, anything that makes it special uh, to make these successful? Um, sure. That's a great question, John. And, um, you know, as mentioned, Sarah and I both have given a lot of these over the years. I was just going to pick a couple that I, um, a couple of things that I think are really um, worth noting or that stand out about these types of presentations. I've found that for women's events, smaller, more intimate ones can work well because women will feel more comfortable asking questions, right? right? So that doesn't mean you can't do a large one, but I think sometimes a more intimate one, you really get to know the prospects in the room. Or the or the current clients that you have, I've done. A, I did a breakfast one about a year ago where there was just ten of us sitting around a table. It was at a private club, but you could also do a regular restaurant in a private room, and um, we all went around the table and introduced ourselves, right? Because oftentimes we don't know each other, and then we all shared a story about money, or uh, you know what it meant to us, or because we all have a story about money, right? And how that kind of shapes us, and that way we all feel comfortable talking and sharing. Um, as the conversation went on. So I think something like that is a great thing. 
I think another thing that's great is if you're going to do it with business owners like Sarah talked about or working women doing it after work, doing like um, something where you're giving the first half hour to allow women to network with each other. I think that goes a long way. Women appreciate that. We're social. So we like to talk to other people, find out their stories. I think that's a great thing to do. And then just a couple of other ones quickly. Intergenerational type women events are fantastic where you're take, inviting your client and asking them to bring their daughter or their granddaughter. I've done that over uh, afternoon teas. Uh, and I think that one's a great one that works well there. And then as far as just partnering with other professionals, after all these years of doing this, I still do... Um, women and fine uh excuse me women and um fashion seminars uh and i know some people may be like you know really and, and yeah they've been going on for 25 years but sometimes if you want to add an element of fun to a seminar it can go well and i've also done a great one recently on women in uh we brought in an organizer with the whole idea of organize your house and then organize your finances so there's a lot of great tie-ins if you want to also kind of add a little bit of a fun element to it, John. But again, so many more, but those are just some that I think have been um, the best over the years. Oh, those are great ideas. I love those. So last question, Julie, I'm going uh, to send it to you. Um, when we think about International Women's Day, it's all about celebrating women, uh, embracing equity and positive changes. So what are some of the positive changes you've seen when it comes to women in finance over the last 20 years that you've been working with uh, with women and in, in investment professionals. And what are some of the areas you think we still need to uh, make some improvement? Yeah, uh, great question. Uh, you know, we've come, and, and um, Sarah shared a lot of great statistics, and we've come a long way as far as for women investing. You know, I think one that we have an, a great uh, statistic that we have in our presentation uh, right now, it's 30% more of married women are making financial investment decisions than right off the bat, right? That's a, that's a great stat and a great um, number to share. But what I have also, you know, and as much as, and I guess what I'm trying to say is as far as we've come, what's still kind of shocking to me is UBS just did a survey recently and they discussed how the majority of married women globally still let their husbands make their financial decisions, right? So John, what I'm trying to say is kind of, we've come a long way, but we've got a ways to go. And why is that? Well, I think it's because it's historical and kind of social precedences. It's kind of traditional gender roles, but that's something, the finance is not something you can kind of divide and conquer. Both people need to be involved in that, right? Both, you know, if you're in a marriage, both of you, or, you know, if you've let somebody else in your family do it, you need to take control. And the other thing is Sarah talked really well about it earlier is just confidence. It just continues to come out that women aren't as confident as men, but that, they should be because oftentimes they're making the, you know, the better decision as Sarah talked about, they're, they're doing better when it comes to investing, but it's a confidence. And that's what I think where advisors can really help women, right? To push them, to become more confident, to push them, to take a bigger role, to invite them to events, to educate them more. Cause I think the more we can do that, you know, the better off, you know, we're all going to be. So that would, those would be kind of um, some of my, my thoughts on that, John. That's excellent. Hey, this has been a fantastic conversation. It's making me rethink how we approach finances in the Bryson household. Uh, I think men can probably be not only confident, overconfident, and maybe that's why we're not as good investors over the long term. So I'm going to be thinking about that. Folks, um, well, first off, Julie, Sarah, thanks so much for sharing your insights. Really inspiring, um, very um, um, informative. 
Folks, if you are in the Chicago area or Oregon and parts of Washington and Idaho and you want to have Julie or Sarah come and talk to your clients, I'm sure they would be thrilled to. So just reach out to them. Uh, if you're interested in more of what we have to offer, please subscribe to the Portfolio Intelligence Podcast. You can do it on iTunes or you can do it on our website, jhinvestments.com. You can get all of our information, whether it is partnering with women and growing their wealth or anything around investments on our website. So please check it out. You're going to get great business building ideas like you got today and much, much more. As always, thanks so much for listening to the show. This podcast is being brought to you by John Hancock Investment Management Distributors, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speaker, are subject to change as market and other conditions warrant, and do not constitute investment advice or a recommendation regarding any specific product or security. There is no guarantee that any investment strategy discussed will be successful or achieve any particular level of results. Any economic or market performance information is historical and is not indicative of future results, and no forecasts are guaranteed. Investing involves risks, including the potential loss of principal. Please see the Woman, Wealth, and Wisdom presentation on our website, jhinvestments.com, for more details on topics covered in this podcast.